1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL
2: and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the WFIL app, listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, the famous Friday edition. Why is it famous? I have no idea, but it'll turn out that way. We're confident. Actually, we have a couple of very special guests. that will be joining us. Art Bell founder of Comedy Central, later in the hour. Before that, Pastor Ron Smedley checking in from Texas. He's the executive director of Mission Recovery, with this coming Sunday being Recovery Sunday. I want to have him on and talk about that. So those are coming up. On the other end of the uh, program, we do have our Now That Punny segment, our fun pun time to cap the week off. And uh, along the way, feel free to send a quick text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. If you want to win a gift card to Dunkin', Panera, Rita's, or Wawa, that's courtesy of Briner Chevrolet. We do it all the time, often on Fridays. $5.60, something nice and simple to help you get a couple of cups of coffee, a hoagie, or a couple of snacks, and, and uh, hang out with a friend for a little bit. It's our way of saying thank you for listening in. Just text your name in, and if you have a preference, to 610-500-DOVE. That's our text line, 610-500-3683. We'll make a number of winners after the program. Get your name in the mix. Uh, so, uh, forecast before I forget, on the cloudy side, the rest of the afternoon, a little bit of sunshine at times, 78 the high, uh, 59 the low tonight, it a shower late this evening and or overnight. Kind of cloudy tomorrow, shower two is possible, some sunshine in the afternoon, a high of 77, a lot of clouds for Sunday, some sun occasionally, and a shower is possible as well with a high of 82. The uh, Phillies wrap up their season, at least the regular season, they're hoping for more than that, uh, this weekend. Hard to believe? Kind of, sort of. It's been a weird year. It's a 60-game season instead of 162. The final three of the regular season tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. It's Vince Velasquez pitching for the Phils tonight at 640 against Tampa Bay. Tomorrow night at 707, Zach Wheeler takes the mound for the Phils against those same Tampa Bay Rays. And Sunday afternoon when the Phillies are hopefully clinching a playoff spot. I'm not sure if they can do it before then or not. Aaron Nola on the mound 310 Sunday afternoon. Tonight it's a uh, Stanley Cup Game 4, the championship round. Tampa Bay up 2 games to 1. Speaking of Tampa Bay, over Dallas in hockey there, and the Eagles home Sunday afternoon at 1 against Cincinnati. Man, there's a lot happening in addition to the guests we have this hour. I uh, want to just give you two clips of things that are happening this weekend. Tomorrow night is Sea life 2020, that big live stream event with focus on the family. The goal of Sea life 2020, help end abortion and love every heartbeat. It is not too late to get involved. You start, uh, start by signing the pledge at WFIL.com, Get a chance, share about it on social media, and then get ready for the live stream event tomorrow night. It's Sea life 2020. Details at WFIL.com. Had Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family, on with us in the last week or so. And uh, here's how he shared when I asked him about how Sea Live 2020 got started.
3: It was a simple proposition. I just felt like the Lord, through a staff member, Michael McGonigal, who had the idea, when I heard about it, I thought, yeah, just show him the baby. And so that's what we did in New York, in Times Square. We had great speakers. You know, three to five minute speeches, Alveda King, Benjamin Watson, the former NFL player, Candace, uh Owens is going to be at this one. She wasn't at the New York event, but just real crisp, three to five minute presentations. And then we showed a baby in the third trimester, a 4D ultrasound. But, you know, the thing, Tim, it was so amazing how everything quieted down in Times Square. That's, if you've been to Times Square, it's busy, you know, especially pre-COVID. But when that heartbeat and that image of that baby came up on the screens, we brought our own jumbo screens because they wouldn't rent them to us in Times Square. And So we when that image came up, the whole place fell silent. The protesters, about 400, fell silent. They stopped banging their tambourines. You could hear that heartbeat, kukush, kukush, right, just flooding into Times Square. It was amazing. And so... With that great experience and the exposure it brought to the preborn child, we thought, okay, let's do it again, and we set it for September and uh, realized we weren't going to be able to do another physical event. We had five cities planned, but in lieu of that, we're going to do a live online event, a streamed event on uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday, September 26, right around the corner, and uh, we're going to have, again, great speakers, short presentations, Melissa Odom, a, an abortion survivor. Uh, Candace Owens will be at this event. We have some great music. Uh, Selah will be doing some songs for us along with other uh, songwriters from Nashville that have created uh, an anthem for this event itself, and people can download that and hear it. So I'm I'm excited for what it will do. And, the you know, the, again, Tim, the big part of it is showing – uh, 4-D ultrasound of a third-trimester baby, just showing people what's in the womb. You know, a, a large majority of abortion-minded women, when they go into a clinic to see an ultrasound, will choose life for their baby. And I just feel that same conviction will be there for the culture. If they can actually see a baby in the womb and see that it's fully human, see the toes, see the fingers, see the baby sucking that thumb, which often they do in the womb, they will see the humanity of that baby and become pro-life. We just heard this week, Tim, from a Focus listener who was pro-abortion, who was listening to the broadcast and listening to Melissa Odom, actually, an abortion survivor, and said the story was so powerful that this woman moved from pro-choice to pro-life. Wow. That's what we want to see the nation do. It's
2: Jim Daly from Focus on the Family, their president. And, of course, you can catch up program weekdays at 7 a.m., But tomorrow night at 8 p.m., you want to check out the Sea Life 2020 special. And in the meantime, get on board at WFIL.com by signing that pledge and sharing on social media. Wrapping up this weekend on Sunday night, our partnership with Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress and that Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel contest we have going. An amazing trip planned for March of 2021 where you can experience the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Beatitudes, the Sea of Galilee, the empty tomb and much more. Details on that at wfil.com should be a fantastic trip. Wonderful cuisine and accommodations, and of course, you make memories with fellow travelers. The starting point is to download Bible prophecy made simple. It's a free booklet. It's actually forty pages, I think. A very informative resource from Doctor. Jeffress. So, have that, you know have that? It's yours to take by between now and uh, this coming Sunday night. When you do that, you're automatically entered to win the trip for two to Israel. So it's a win and a maybe win kind of a situation. Uh, Details on that at WFIL.com. Had Dr. Jeffers on the program on September 18th to talk a bit about that trip to Israel. I've been a
4: pastor in the ministry for more than 40 years, and I've seen nothing really invigorates a person's faith any more than a trip to Israel. To see with your own eyes the place we've read about for years, even in Christians' minds, there's this idea that for some reason these are mythological places. We don't think of them as real places, but when you walk the very places that Jesus walked, it has a whole new, uh, gives you a whole new perspective on these biblical events. I mean, every trip we always, Close by taking communion in front of the empty tomb. I mean, just imagine to walk into that empty tomb and see for yourself, he is not there, he's risen from the dead. And this year on our Bible prophecy tour to Israel, our focus is going to be on Bible prophecy, prophecies that have already been fulfilled, prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. We'll stand on the Mount of Olives looking over the city of Jerusalem and realize this is the very place Jesus said, I'm coming back to one day and so uh, i think people will never read the bible in the same way again after they've uh, gone to israel with us and the dates for that are march 2nd through 12th
2: again that's dr robert jeffress from pathway to victory chatting with us on september 18th regarding the bible prophecy tour of israel get entered by midnight sunday night at wfil.com quick break the tim de show rolls along in just a second on wfil
1: you're listening to a podcast of the tim DeMoss show Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com.
2: AM 560 WFIL.com and on the WFIL app. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. We uh, have our famous Friday program going, which often is on the lighthearted side, but not always. And uh, sometimes substance actually is part of what we do on this program, believe it or not. Yes, it's true. Pastor Ron Smedley joining us today, fitting that bill quite nicely in honor of Recovery Sunday, which is this coming Sunday. Hello, Pastor Ron. How you doing?
5: Good afternoon, Tim. It's so uh, wonderful to be with you in the city of brotherly love.
2: Indeed. And before we go further, we have to prove that people can get along from different sides of the aisle because you're from Texas, and I'm guessing you're a Cowboys fan. Am I right?
5: Oh, you had you had to go there, huh? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I- I had to address Life. the elephant in the room.
5: Lifelong. I mean, I've been <laughs> had in, as a pastor, I've had several season ticket holders in my church that have taken me to many Cowboys-Eagles games.
2: <laughs> well, that's all good. They're they're doing a little better than the Eagles. I think the Eagles are 0-2, and, and the Cowboys are 1-1. They came from behind, right, the other night, and they, they came.
5: Yeah, that's, that's amazing,
2: game. isn't it? Yeah. Well, we had some other business, and, of course, this coming Sunday, it's fun, folks like to watch the games and all, but this coming Sunday, is a very special Sunday, Recovery Sunday. And that's uh, even more important, hard to believe, but it is more important. And um, right. yeah, share about that if you would. What, it, what is Recovery Sunday? I know some folks have heard that term kicked around. It's fairly new right in the past few years, officially. So
5: Yes, sir. Thank you, uh, first of all, Tim, for the opportunity to promote Recovery Sunday. Basically, it's a day set aside to help people in all forms of recovery and the affected family members we ask for at least one day and again i know we're late in the game here but if a pastor can't do it this sunday because everything's already prepared please uh look at our website recovery and we also want to come. I saw your vision is to come alongside and help people in their life uh, walk with Christ. And yeah. our vision is not only to help people in recovery, but also to help pastors and churches know how to engage in what I think, Tim, is the most r- relevant need in our nation. It's of epic proportions, and the pandemic has uh, made it even worse.
2: Hmm. Well, share, share indeed, I know it's, it is late in the game, but better late than never. If nothing else, it's prime of the pump for next time around. And in general, as with any one-day thing, uh, hopefully the principles and what's behind it is something that folks can be involved with year-round.
5: Correct. The mission recovery, we started it three years ago just because I've been a parole officer uh, and also a pastor coming up 40 years. I always say I started in kindergarten, but uh <laughs> have experience on both sides, And basically, we want to equip pastors to deal with uh, the issue of addiction, and not only the addiction, but to help their family members that are affected. And 80% of hurting people, the stats say, Tim, 80% of hurting people in crisis come to pastors first. And many times we're not properly equipped or knowing how to deal with those issues. So out of my experience, I was given a voice to be able to help. And Recovery Sunday is just one day of part of our vision. But we want to join in National Recovery Month to set aside a time just to say, hey, we hear your cry. We we are aware, and we want to provide you hope and prayer. And again, it's even more important now with the pandemic, with all the stress and all the fear that people are going with, but it goes a long way when a pastor will just acknowledge it and pray. You know, the Bible says in, in James chapter 5, Tim, that uh, the prayer of a righteous man avails much, mm. and we see that happen over and over again.
2: Amen. Pastor Ron Smedley is our guest. Uh, joining us today, we're talking about Recovery Sunday, which is this coming Sunday, uh, but kind of also along with that um, the uh, um, you know as a pastor because I'm thinking also next month it starts on Thursday, the first of October and it's pastor appreciation month. Uh, you mentioned how pastors may feel like I'm not really sure how to handle this other than just putting an arm around somebody, which is a good start, I guess but speak to that part of things how can you even in, in kind of general terms, could you encourage pastors who are listening and perhaps as we get into pastor appreciation month, uh, you know how, what could what could they be equipped with to better serve? those who are in their congregation, even those who maybe bring a friend who's struggling, and it's the first time in their church, and here's my friend, and he's struggling with these different addictions.
5: Yeah, well, first of all, a lot of what you just said, this is a great opportunity for harvest, Tim, because... Uh, 700,000 souls have died in eight years with overdose, and 400 of that has been uh, through the opioid epidemic, Hmm. but 180 precious souls every day are dying, and not only that is destroying marriages, it's destroying families, and... uh, believe it or not, the pandemic, as bad as that is, 180 precious souls every day dying, the pandemic has increased that overdose total to 49%, believe it or not. So it's a great opportunity for pastors. And the first thing the pastor can do, I mentioned it briefly, is just to acknowledge it. It goes a long way when a pastor says, we... uh, not To use the proverbial, get our head out of the sand, and yeah. we're willing we're willing to get down and dirty with you and get messy the way Jesus did to came and seek and save those who were lost, and to open up his doors to create a culture of acceptance, because every addict that I've ever dealt with, Tim, every one of them has a deep-rooted sense of shame and a sensitivity to stigma. And so if we can open our doors, and think about this, too, uh, right now everybody is isolated, and whether you're live or online in your church, you can combat the social isolation, and it's not good for anyone in recovery to ever be isolated. They need connection. And the church is the greatest support group. So if you can build a culture, and then we have uh, we have a lot of scriptures on our website. We have sermon suggestions about recovery-oriented themes, worship songs, uh, and then Real quickly, the thing I'm most excited about, Tim, is I've been involved in Life Recovery and Celebrate Recovery, but we have a free 52 week, 52 week plug and play program with videos. downloadable PDF workbooks. And 30% of your congregation will participate, they say. And it's something that you can really make a difference. And furthermore, it's a great outreach for people in your
2: community that are hurting. It really sounds like in terms of um, in in general, why somebody might not be involved in anything is just partly a lack of education or awareness. Like, I don't know what I would do. So let me just skip by this if I can. Absolutely. Right. So it sounds like what you're talking about there would help bring that fear down for for people who are like well i'd be willing to help if i just knew how and uh that that's that series is where it's on the website which what was the site again
5: if you go to recovery com, uh you can sign up for pastors there's a place for pastors resources and we'll begin to give we'll send you a, a workbook for pastors and then it'll also lead you if you want to do more Recovery Sunday is one day, but mission recovery, as I said, is to come along beside you with more information. We have a toolkit for pastors, but recoverysunday.com.
2: Okay, and that's this coming. I mean, the Recovery Sunday again this coming Sunday for folks, as you mentioned for pastors, where it's it's too late to perhaps pivot into doing something completely different. Or uh, could they could they do a, a reader's digest scaled down version, even if it's like a couple of minutes at, at church to kind of point people there? As part of this yeah, Sunday? I
5: think if you really want to make a difference, again, we have. You could do songs like "Oh, Come to the Altar," hmm. or you know, you could do "Who You Say I Am," uh, recovery themed, and then some scriptures like "There's No Condemnation" and "The Sun Sets Free Is Free Indeed." You could do things like that; it has great impact. And then, most of all, again, uh, there is great power when you ask uh, for the people that are struggling with recovery or uh, addiction, or their family members, we want to pray for you, because the Bible says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if you can't if you can do anything else, just set aside some time to say, we want to pray for you. And many times people that have done this, there has been great, great, great response, because people are hurting and they're looking
2: for hope. You mentioned, oh, come to the altar. Um, I'm thinking, you know, I, my background in radio largely is music, and knowing how powerful it is, uh, I'm just thinking as you're talking there, if a worship team, uh, you know, they often practice during the week, but sometimes they're skilled enough or played together long enough they can whip something up on the fly. Um, if they were to pick a song, maybe to, even to honor uh, the Re- Recovery Sunday this Sunday, you mentioned they will Come to the Altar, and is there are there another couple of ones that they might be able to try to pick up that you, you found go a long way?
5: Who you say I am uh, okay. redeemed. By Big Daddy Weave, okay, is one of one of the themes that we use in our recovery ministry itself. People can relate to. Yeah, uh, Clean by Natalie Grant, uh, but uh, one of the greatest, greatest, uh, Tim is God so loved the world by We Are the Kingdom. It says, "Bring all your failures and bring your addictions, lay them at the foot of the cross. Jesus, is standing with arms open wide, mm-hmm. and uh, He is the answer." for what the world needs today. He is the ultimate answer. As a former government official, I've spent millions of dollars trying to get people treated
2: Pastor Ron Smedley checking in from Texas today. He's also executive director of Mission Recovery. As we talk about Recovery Sunday, which is this coming Sunday, the 27th, quick break. We'll keep our chat going in a second. We also have Art Bell, founder of Comedy Central, joining us. Our Now That's Punny segment capping things off as well. And a quick reminder, our partnership with Save the Children continues looking to find folks willing to step up and help out with a contribution to provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner and educational support for children have lost access to those things namely their school lunch program because of covid19 not having school in session and all that ten dollars provides one child breakfast lunch and dinner in a day's worth of educational uh, educational support so if you want to do say fifty dollars that would cover a full week for one child three hundred dollars covers a whole month a thousand dollars covers a whole semester for one child breakfast lunch and dinner every day and educational support what an amazing opportunity our goal is to provide a 1,000 days' worth of support. And if we get there, and I know we can, I will personally add a 100 days to that. So make me cough the dough up. All right? 888-884-4836. To help out, 888-884-4836. Or you can click the Save the Children banner at WFIL.com. We are at 400 days' worth. So far, 600 days' worth to go. Help out again at 888 888- or WFIL.com. Thank you so much from Save the Children and WFIL.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: AM560 WFIL.com and on the WFIL app. Tim DeMoss hanging out. Thank you for listening to the program today. Feel free to tell a friend about the show, whether it's right this minute or eventually at some point. Podcasts of our program as well available on our homepage at WFIL.com. Quick check on the forecast. A little sunshine, kind of cloudy the balance of the afternoon. Eventually just a kind of cloudy evening with a low of 59. May get some rain late tonight or overnight. Then tomorrow morning, my daughter Theodora has a soccer game scheduled for 930. We may have some raindrops upon us. Nothing that the kids can't play through, I'm guessing. Eventually, a little sunshine possible tomorrow afternoon. A high of 77 for Sunday. Kind of cloudy, some sun at times. Another shower possible and a high of 82. Big weekend for the Phillies. They have three games against Tampa Bay tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. Tonight's game at 640. Vince Velasquez on the mound for the Phillies. They're fighting for a playoff spot. It's the final three games of this abbreviated uh, 60-game season. Tomorrow night at 707. It's Zach Wheeler on the mound for the Phils, and Sunday afternoon at 3:10, Aaron Nola takes the mound for the Phils to close things out. Eagles are home Sunday afternoon at 1 against Cincinnati, and if you're a hockey fan, by the way, tonight, Stanley Cup Championship Game 4 is happening. Tampa Bay up two games to one on Dallas. Founder of Comedy Central, Art Bell, going to be joining us in just a little bit, but something a little less funny, if you will, but still very powerful this is our conversation right now with Pastor Ron Smedley checking in from Texas. He's director, uh, executive director of Mission Recovery. We're talking about Recovery Sunday, which is this coming Sunday, the twenty uh, seventh. Um, you know, do you have an example or two? Feel free to share just the, of some of the things you have seen in the work that you do that you could share with us.
5: Well, you may be aware I may have sent you some promotion, but I, and I would just tell your listeners if you really want to be encouraged and see how powerful this is, uh, go to Christian Post. The article, Ex Felon, says the need to participate in Christ centered recovery. Deanna is a friend of mine, personal friend. She doesn't mind me using her name because once people have been set free from addiction and the shame, they're openly able to talk about it. And Deanna had a, she. you would have never known she was an addict. She was a high paying uh, professional, a nurse, uh, making a lot of money, uh, hmm. had a really good job, and had an accident which is something we hear all the time, sports, injuries, accidents, and then people get prescribed opioids. As you know, opioids uh, are the main ingredient in in pain medications. What they do is they block pain and they give a sense of euphoria, so they have high risk for addiction. Mm -hmm. And then also they have a high risk for overdose. And Deanna was prescribed two pills a day for her uh, her back injury and it, begins to, it began to put her into such a sense of euphoria that she wanted more and more and more, and so she used 24 pills a day. And as a former parole officer, I'll say this, Tim, my experience is 80% of people that commit crimes are usually either under the influence or they're trying to support a habit. Hmm. And so we can make a real difference in crime if we can reach out and touch people. But anyway, she she started stealing from her employer and lying about it, She stole from her beloved father, who she loved so much, and she felt such shame about that just to support her habit. And, of course, then she was turned in by her own sister. And believe it or not, she thanks her sister to this day because it saved her life. Also, a police officer that arrested her and showed compassion to her. But in prison, in prison after uh, she received some treatment and then went to secular treatment and did not, uh, it didn't help. She got high immediately after she left But then uh, through uh, connecting with Christ-centered recovery that we're involved in, she found Jesus Christ, and uh, in a moment when she was saying, oh, Lord, I just want to die, and, and shame, and every addict I've ever dealt with has deep-rooted shame. And she came to know Christ and came to know Christ through Christ-centered recovery. Mm -hmm. And you know what's really cool about this story? Not only did Christ set her free, Tim, but she is now a licensed substance abuse counselor in a prison. So she's actually helping people that are in a physical and spiritual prison be set free. And I hear story after story after story about that, Tim, because people are self-medicating, whether it's opioids or, or alcohol alcohol or methamphetamines. People are trying to escape pain, like Garth Garth Brooks says, the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away, whether that means divorce or sexual abuse or a loss of uh, something or depression or anxiety. People are trying to escape pain, and you know what? Jesus is the pain taker, Mm. and he's close to the brokenhearted and he sets the captives free. And so we passionately share that good news with the, the people that are struggling and their families.
2: Amen. Amen. Pastor Ron, great chatting with you. Uh, again, Recovery Sunday, this coming Sunday. And remind me, recoverysunday.com, if folks want to look into that, especially pastors, even to get a little piece of that in for this Sunday and prime the pump for next year and, and then weeks in between. Uh, and then there was an, the other site, mission, was it missionrecovery.com uh, or org? <laughs>
5: Right. We don't want to be too confusing with all the websites, but recoverysunday.com dot com is about our specific Sunday, yeah. and it will lead you to Mr Healing. Mr Healing kind of has a double meaning: Mister Healing and missionrecoveryhealing.org dot okay. org is our uh, where we have a toolkit for families and pastors.
2: That's excellent. It's great to make your acquaintance, and uh, and hopefully we can catch up maybe during the year and see just how things are going, what else God's up to, and the work that you're doing here. You're First and foremost, a pastor, and then also the Mission Recovery and, and uh, Recovery Sunday work comes uh, complements it? Or uh,
5: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm first and foremost a pastor, and that's okay. why I know pastors and want to have a heart to help pastors. And then three years ago, I was asked to direct Mission Recovery because of my unique perspective as being a parole officer and a pastor.
2: How, how did uh, that transition happen, by the way? Where you were, you're kind of kidding by being a pastor your whole life, which is, in, in a way, it's true. You know, when you're young, you have a heart for people you're kind of being a pastor as you go but um, yeah how did that transition happen for you
5: well actually thank you for asking that question. To be brief, I've uh, been pastoring for about 20 years, and then to be frank with you, Tim, I got really frustrated with a lot of the church politics and power and control, mm. and I decided I wanted to make a difference in the world, and so I had an opportunity to become a social worker for the state of Texas, and it opened up my eyes tremendously. I was pretty naive to see the pain, the struggles people deal with, the dysfunction, and uh, I've always felt that uh, my philosophy of ministry is that you need to preach the gospel in a relevant way to what uh, people are struggling with and didn't realize how pervasive this problem was. And so that kind of started uh, my journey as being a parole officer and work for the state child protective services. And then I had an I had an opportunity to get back into full time ministry in 2007, but God used that experience as a social worker to help me really give a voice to all forms of recovery, and uh, and their family members who are devastated by it and used to call me every day, not knowing what to do.
2: Amen. You know, last question. You know, kind of, I could have asked it at the beginning, but it, it applies any time. Just how did God uh, get a hold of you? For you, to, for you to therefore care about all these other things and, and to be a pastor.
5: How did God get a hold of me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, actually, um, I was reared in a very, very Christian home, okay. third generation. But, you know, we always say God doesn't have grandchildren. It wasn't my parents or my grandparents that could save me. But uh, one day, just hearing a bunch of young people sing Victory in Jesus, I felt the call of the Lord uh, to uh, realize that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus Christ in my uh, life and then, so I gave my life to Jesus. And then, uh, interestingly enough, I was wanting to be a broadcaster. Tim, really? that was always. Yeah, and I was planning on being a broadcaster, and a couple of weeks before I was to go to the University of Texas and major in journalism and broadcasting, the Lord called me into the ministry. I felt a real compulsion through prayers of my grandmother to get into ministry. And uh, so now what's so cool is now I get to broadcast the good news uh, every day to bring hope and encouragement to broken lives.
2: Amen. Amen. Well, it's great catching up with you and getting to know each other a little bit and hear what God's having you do. And uh, thank you for taking time to do that.
5: Thank you. And again, we want to help you, Pastor. 60% of churches don't have any ministry, so go to recoverysunday.com. If you're listening, please uh, tell your pastor. And most of all, lean into the Lord, because he's the only one that can restore your soul.
2: That's it. That's it. Pastor Ron Smedley, our guest. More to come in just a moment of The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL live and
1: local it's the Tim DeMoss show weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com our podcast continues
2: AM 560 WFIL.com and on the WFIL app you're listening to the Tim DeMoss show our famous Friday edition thanks for tuning in as we keep things going here let's welcome aboard the founder of Comedy Central and author of a new book Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central, and Lost My Sense of Humor, Art Bell. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for taking time to chat a little bit today. Happy to do it. Yeah. When did the idea of writing constant comedy first come to mind for you, and and, uh, what went into putting it together for you to to craft it the way you wanted?
6: Story. I I started out um, writing some memoirs. I wanted to write stories about when I was a kid, and that's how I started writing and one day, I was in a writer's group, and one day, I, wrote a, I, I, wrote a, I took a story about comedy into the writer's group, and they were like, wow, that's interesting. And I said, you're kidding me. I just wrote 150,000 words on my childhood, and you're telling me this one story about Comedy Central is interesting? And they said, yeah, yeah, let's do more of that. So I did, I told some stories, and then uh, the more I thought about it, the more I said, wow, this is a book. This was my adventure. And I ended up telling the story from my point of view, about how comedy got started.
2: You know, it's interesting. You mentioned your childhood. I think I read that you grew up in a, a fairly... I mean, like comedy is part of the, the household and you kind of picked up on it? Or re- Jog my memory, if you would, about where you first started becoming introduced, the idea of being funny and...
6: others, they were very funny. My father was there. He's funny. My uncles were funny. I mean, comedy was kind of important to me from the beginning because, you know, I realized that it helped me make connections with people. Um, and... uh and so I got very interested in comedy at a young age. Well, I was eight or nine watching shows, watching comedians on television. Uh, Alan King, I saw, um, Richard Pryor for the first time on The Ed Sullivan Show, and thought, man, this guy is the funniest guy in the world. And, you know, I just kept at it. When I got to high school, I wrote a, I, I started an underground newspaper, satirical newspaper, wrote for that. And, uh, you know, I went to, I know you, I went to school in Philly. Yes, you did. I went did. to Swarthmore College and, uh, the Wharton School. Yeah, And I did some writing when I was there, some performing. And, uh, you know, I really kind of stuck with comedy. So when I got out of school, I thought, okay, how can I do this? I really didn't, wasn't going to be a writer or performer. So I ended up at HBO and thought about the Comedy Channel idea. And uh, that's how it happened.
2: Yeah. Folks, just tuning in, we're chatting with Art Bell, founder of Comedy Central, and the new book, Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central, and Lost My Sense of Humor. You mentioned, um, it's funny, the, the, the notion of having a vision for something. And believing it very strongly, certainly true with regard to the, the Comedy Channel. But even before that, you mentioned Swarthmore because I think you had written about being drafted into the honors program. You're like, I don't want to do this. I'm going somewhere else. Even then, it wasn't directly about comedy, but it was about I got to find a different path to do what I think needs to be done. Right? Yeah. Well,
6: you got that right, and that's one of the reasons I tell the story because I was, you know, I hated when people told me what to do or that they didn't like what I was thinking. So I, I, I guess, I was a little obstinate. Off- Although I like to think I wasn't a real pain in the neck, but I, I just I just felt that I, I had to find my own education the way I wanted to find, it. and that's what I did.
2: Yeah, it was a Mac. I forgot the name. It was a special kind of economics, econometrics, or something that you were pursuing. I remember reading.
6: Yeah, you know I, what I wanted to do was uh, I wanted to take an econometrics course at uh, Swarthmore, and it wasn't being offered that the next year, and I was aggravated. And then they wanted to you know put me in a different course roof and I wanted to go in, and I said, "Look, I'm just going to find out who teaches economic, uh, who wrote the book on econometrics." And I looked it up, and it was a guy at the University of Michigan. I called him up, and I said, "Okay, can I come there?" And they said, "Yeah, come here." So I went to the University of Michigan for one year, studied with that guy, did some other stuff too, and then I went back to Squamish. So that's you know, yeah. Again.
2: But I see, see taking my own path. It's a great story because it shows resourcefulness, also kind of a you know rather than just going with the flow and say, "Well, maybe it'll work out eventually." But but correct me if I'm wrong, as I was reading the book, I, one thing I think that really works, I think that people can learn from, maybe you could speak to this, is uh, how you handle when people don't agree with what you think. Because you had enough, like, because a balance of, I, I know what I believe, uh, maybe I'm wrong a little bit, but I, I'm willing to learn, but I still believe what I believe. And, um, and in the end, you kind of keep pursuing as best as you can, rather than either get discouraged or just comply with what other people think but not, not in a mean way, just kind of like a, I want to keep pushing forward.
6: Well, I was really, conv- I love comedy. I was really convinced there should be a 24-hour comedy. network, with a 24-hour music network and a 24-hour sports network. I was really kind of shocked that nobody had already done it. So when I talked to people about it, it was helpful because they, they raised objections that, that I could say, no, no, like I, I, I can see that. Here's a way around it. Or if I hadn't thought of a, a way around it, I'd walk out of that conversation and say, "All right, how am I going to solve that problem?" So by the time I really was pitching this in earnest, I had a very good idea of how it should be done and how I wanted to do it, and I had a very good, very strong vision of what it would look like when it was successful. And that's important. That's important.
2: Yeah, you know, it, 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 as you're speaking there, it sounds it, it kind of like, like like it was being sculpted. The vision was being sculpted all along the way until it was really time to to go for it. Um, I'm thinking of the, ex- the example you mentioned of Billy Crystal and the dine or wherever's a bakery or something. And, and he said, good luck with that. And like, and you weren't sure if he was being sarcastic or just kind of mildly, whatever it was. Um, did, did you ever at one point feel like, you know, maybe I should just not go forward with this or, or it's not going to happen. Or how did you handle when people would maybe just give a little comment, even if they weren't trying to be mean about it, how, how did you personally try to handle those things? Well,
6: it was hard. I mean, because I took, I took the whole project, the whole idea of a comedy network very personally. So when we started doing it, when it was announced and when we started working on it and everything else, and it wasn't going well, I certainly had my moments of like, oh my goodness, did I just you know, step in something I shouldn't have? But I never, I never for one minute thought I should give up. Mm-hmm. And it was really a matter of adjusting things, making things better, find out, finding out what was working, finding out what wasn't working. Doing more of what was working. I mean, early on we found out that the stand-up comedy that we were putting on was really working so we put more of that on. We found out that people liked Mystery Science Theater 3000 so we we tried to do another show like that a watch us watch show and that's when we started covering politics live we, we, we covered the State of the Union address live comedians watching and commenting on that. So, and, and that was a, a very big success. So it was really a matter of Finding our footing, finding our way, making adjustments, and no, I never thought of giving up. But I, I did have some bad days, as I recounted in the book.
2: Yeah, did did, uh, did constant comedy turn out in the end the way you had envisioned, and and were you surprised at all as you were writing it? You know what it what it turned out to be.
6: Uh, well, I certainly wasn't surprised because I wrote it. I, I will say this: I enjoyed writing, it. and and I, I I was really kind of amazed at how it all. It all made for such a fascinating adventure story. It's a behind-the-scenes story. Uh, I, I think it's a page-turner, because even though you know what happens, Comedy Central was ultimately successful. It, I, I really throw in a lot of obstacles along the way. I mean, there were so many times I thought they were going to just shut the channel down. And there were so many times I thought I was in, it, it was in big trouble. And there were so many times that I had doubts that, I, you know, again, I wanted... To, I wanted to make people want to read the entire thing. Yeah. So I, I, I put it together in a way that I think it, it keeps, keeps you reading.
2: It definitely does. I really appreciate your time, and thank you for sharing the book with us, Art. Have a great rest of your day.
6: Great. It's available now. You can buy it
2: at bookstores or Amazon. Very good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's Art Bell, founder of Comedy Central, on the Tim DeMoss Show today, our famous Friday edition, author of Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central, and Lost My Sense of Humor. We have not lost our sense of humor around here because, among other things, we have our Now That's Punny segment coming up with Danny in just a moment. Hang on for that. It's the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL.
1: Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email Timmy D at WFIL.com.
2: AM 560 WFIL on the app, online, everywhere, everywhere you look. Here we are. It's a Tim DeMoss show and our famous Friday program would never be complete without this final segment. Danny, how you doing? I'm great, Tim. How are you doing? Lovely. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Got any big weekend plans? Wait, 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 don't say it. You're going to watch Netflix, aren't you? Of course. Yes. It's nice (laughs) to know there's death, there's taxes, and there's Danny watching Netflix. The three things you can count on. (laughs) Well, and you can also count on our fun pun segment most of the time. So today, I'm ready with the sound effects, and I'm ready for your incredibly amazing puns. Thank you. Yeah.
4: Ready? I am all right what do you call a person who tells dad jokes but doesn't have any kids
2: what do you tell a person who, ha- who tells dad jokes but has no kids i don't know a faux pas <laughs> that's pretty good all right
4: what else you got why can't your nose be 12 inches long
2: why can't your nose be 12 inches long? Because? Because then it would be a foot. Saw <laughs> so that coming. A mile what? All right.
4: Uh, what else? <laughs> what do you call a group of men waiting for a haircut?
2: What? You know, I just got my haircut yesterday, so this is I was by myself. But What do you call a group of men waiting for a haircut? I don't know. A barbecue. (laughs) Actually, that's pretty good. Uh, You're so pleased with yourself. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, What kind of news does a helicopter read? What kind of news does a helicopter read? I have no idea. Uplifting ones. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Alright, pretty good actually. Go ahead, what else you got? Where do boats go when they get sick? Where do, I see now that's an interesting question because usually it's the person on the boat who gets sick, but where do the, I never thought of it that way because they're out there all day long. Where do boats go yeah. when they get sick? The dock.
4: What would you do with the brain if you had one? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's actually pretty good you have a nice lineup today danny you have any more yeah sure i'm ready how much does a hipster weigh how much does a hipster weigh uh i don't know an
4: instagram
2: is looking at you kid (laughs) way to go danny thank you tim yes all right what else
4: What did the farmer say when he found three holes in his field?
2: What did the farmer say when he found three holes in his field? I don't know. Well, well, well. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. We have time for a couple more, if you got them. All right. How do you split the ocean in half? Hmm. well, I read about that once, but um, kind of, at least a sea. How do you yeah. split the ocean in half? I have no idea. With a seesaw. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> seesaw, you know, that could work. That could work. Yeah. All right, what's your best one oh. you got left?
4: All right, my last one. What do you call a dad who can't stand?
2: What do you call a dad who can't stand? I don't know. Neil. (laughs) Nicely done. Nicely done, Danny. Always good job by you. Thank you for your hard work on putting these puns together. I know it's difficult, but somebody's got to do it. I know. And you've stepped up to the task. I'm happy to do it. All right. Well, you go get an early start on your Netflix, and we'll catch up with you next week. (laughs) Sounds great, Tim. All right. That's Danny helping out with Now That's Punny. As we wrap up our program, thanks for tuning in. You can grab the podcast on our homepage in just a little bit. Uh, Danny, you still there? Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm thinking about this because you're the one who puts the podcast up in different places. I always forget. I know that it's on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, and what are the other ones? We
4: have Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and now we have a brand new platform. Really?
2: Yeah. Like what?
4: Well, Amazon Music. Are you kidding? I know. They just released that they're going to do podcasts last week, so the Tim DeMoss show is already up there.
2: We're dominating the world. How is this possible? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We got this. We
4: will dominate the world. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, thank you, Danny, for that great piece of news and for your work in getting the podcast out there. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it very much. Okay, so you heard Danny. You can subscribe wherever you want. That way you don't have to think too much. You can just have it come to you. Or if you want to go to our site, you can also listen anytime. It's right on our homepage at WFIL.com. Have a wonderful weekend. Jim Max and Max 413 Ministries leads in prayer next.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at W F I L dot com.